Welcome to the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you want to learn how to make money writing music for TV, films, and ads, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com today for a free video series all about how to write music specifically for use in TV shows, films, and commercials. Music, Money, and Life is the podcast that brings together the best minds in music licensing, music publishing, music marketing, and more together in one place. Learn how to license your music and market your music. Learn the latest cutting-edge techniques for getting your music heard and making money from your music. Learn directly from the musicians and industry insiders on the front lines of the music business. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review in iTunes. Every positive review helps us rise up the ranks in iTunes, gain more subscribers, and attract more and more great guests. And now, without further ado, here's today's podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Deborah Manis Gardner, and Deborah is the owner and president of a company called DMG Clearances that specializes in music clearance. So I'm excited to bring you guys this episode. This is the first episode where I've focused specifically on the topic of music clearance, how to clear samples, how to clear cover songs for songs that you want to record and release and potentially license. So it's an interesting topic. It was sort of a new topic to me. I, I, I knew a little bit about it prior to speaking with Deborah, but we dived very deep specifically into this topic. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. I wanted to mention before the start of the podcast that there's a slight issue with my end of the audio during this podcast. So I am currently in the Dominican Republic. For those of you who listen to this podcast and have followed me over the last several years, you'll know that I typically spend a few months each year in the Dominican Republic. I'm currently on the north side of the island in a little little beach town called Cabarete. A lot of, uh, lot of kiteboarding, a lot of surfers here, and a surprisingly large amount of music for such a small community. So I'm spending several months here. I'm playing music, and I'm sort of based out of here for the next couple months. When I recorded this particular podcast, I was on the balcony of the condo that I'm renting while I'm here, and it was about 90 degrees Fahrenheit, so it was really hot. And I made the decision to turn the fan on on the balcony above me to keep myself cool. And it worked in keeping me cool, but unfortunately there was a little bit of background noise from the fan. So I ran my side of the conversation through a noise filter and filtered out some of the noise, but you can still hear a little bit of white noise in the background. Everything I say is still audible, so I think you'll still get a lot of out of the conversation. I apologize for the uh, audio quality on this one, but it's good content, and I want to release it going forward. I will make sure not to have the fan on again. So in the meantime, check out today's podcast with Deborah. I think you'll get a, a lot out of it, and I'll talk to you soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of music, money, and life. Today, I have a special guest. I'm, I'm excited to bring you guys Deborah Manis Gardner. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. From, it was perfect. Thank you. Excellent. From DMG Clearances. And I'm excited to, to, to speak with you today, Deborah, because like I, I said a, a couple minutes ago, this is the first podcast I've done specifically about the topic of music clearance. So 
I thought maybe to start, Deborah, if you could kind of give us a definition of what exactly music clearance is, what it entails, and uh, what you do exactly. Okay, well, there's different types of music clearances. Yeah. <clears throat> the bottom line is music clearances are securing the rights of copyright, musical copyrights, and incorporating it in something that it, different than it was originally created for. Most people are most familiar with film television, video games, commercials. And then my specialty also is sample clearances, incorporating a portion of a pre-existing copyright and incorporating it into a new copyright. To clear music, what that means is to contact the publisher. Oh, my goodness, my dog's barking in the background. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, so it means contacting the publisher, contacting the record company, Submitting a request with the specific rights that you're seeking and to get that consent and then negotiate a fee so that these songs can be used in these different ways. So are you typically, I'm assuming you're not working a lot with artists directly, are your typical clients um, companies that want to utilize well-known songs, famous songs, songs that they need to get permission to use? Is that What's like a typical project for you? There's nothing typical in my life. And my clients include management companies, law firms, record companies, music publishing companies, game companies, um, advertising agencies. Um, but we also work specifically and directly with recording artists as well. So we run the gamut of clients, um, anyone who needs our services. You know, we've worked with college students. We've worked with high school, you know, cheerleading Competition now requires clearances for their music, for their competitions. So we work with everyone. You work with, with, with everybody. So what would be a typical scenario in, in which case an artist would approach you? Um, would it be a situation, I'm assuming it would be a situation like I want to cover a song by, I'm just going to throw out a name, The Rolling Stones, and I, and I want to do a cover version and put it on one of my recordings or potentially license it maybe. Would that be a situation in which you would work with artists directly? You know, in the United States, under copyright law, anyone can do a cover version, and you don't need to get permission. All you need to do is seek a mechanical license. And I do have a department at my company that can help hold people's hands and do that for them. Outside the United States, though, um, and a writer has the right to decline permission for you to do a cover of their song. Mm. So if someone is contacting me, they might say, uh, I've got this song and uh, someone's approached me. They want it to be used in a commercial for an automobile. Um, how do I help facilitate this? And so we would work with the automobile company and the artist to help get those necessary rights for that song to be used in an advertisement. Another way someone might be coming to me um, as a recording artist is if they've sampled a song and they need guidance and assistance in clearing that sample in their new copyright. The only time if someone's doing a cover that they would require consent is if they've done a music video. Because the mechanical license, which is um, you know, for hard configurations and for streaming and for digital and for CDs and stuff, doesn't cover synchronization, which would be um, a music video. So if you did a cover version of a Nirvana song, and then you want to shoot a music video and then put that up on, on YouTube. 
you would then have us approach us so that we would contact the music publisher and get a sync license and sync consent for that to be done. Okay, and is that fairly straightforward? Is that a, is that a straightforward process? It is, insofar as, you know, um, we have to contact the publisher. We need to tell them, you know, this is a music video that the person plans to do. The medium is YouTube, which would be the territory of the world, or maybe it's geoblock for the United States only. And then we would determine a term. And, you know, when it comes to the Internet, believe it or not, most publishers and labels limit that to only a few years. Okay, because they, they just don't want those videos used in perpetuity because, because why? What, why is it? I don't know the reason why, but it's kind of funny because when you're clearing music for, let's say, a film, you're getting perpetual rights. Um, but they try to control the Internet for some reason. If it's like a film that's only being broadcast or shown on the Internet, they limit it to only a couple of years. They don't give perpetual rights. I think it's a control factor. Okay. Is it also a money issue? Because I'm assuming you're... Like, what is a typical fee for for doing a music video covering another artist's song? How much would that typically... What, what are the, the ranges of fees? I mean, you know, again, there's nothing typical, and it would depend on, on, on who the publisher is and the term, but it could cost a couple thousand dollars for just a couple of years. Okay. So is it maybe a money issue then? Every couple of years you have to repay the fee? Is that more like I think the it? publishers are more... I think they're more controlling over the internet because technology is constantly changing. Yeah. So and they, so that's that's a that's hmm. a big issue. Yeah, that that makes sense. So I want to clarify a couple things because like I said this is the first time I've really dived into this topic. I know a little bit about it, but you mentioned something interesting that within the context of the United States, anybody can cover any other song for for I'm assuming for CDs and streaming in that type of medium. Is that correct? Yeah. For, for streaming, again, you know, we have licenses that are just, that can be requested through like the Harry Fox Agency and there are a couple other organizations that handle that. Yeah. Where it's just a straight pre-negotiated uh, license. Okay. So, so how would that work? Let's say I have a CD that I'm releasing next month and I want to cover a Lady Gaga song, and I want it to be on Spotify, but I also want to sell it via iTunes. Do I need two separate agreements, two separate licenses? Okay, so no, because that's going to, that's false, almost like a mechanical license. So you've done a cover version. We request a mechanical license from Gaga's publisher, and it's going to give you the ability for it to stream on Spotify and for you to sell it, make it available on Amazon or iTunes or wherever else you want to make it. That's going to be one simple license, and that's based on stat rate. And so there's really nothing to negotiate. You just need to get the paperwork in place so that paper, so payment flows. You know, so it's not really consent. It's that you're getting agreements in place so that everyone gets paid their share of revenue for that use of that song. Okay. And, and what are the? How does payment work in the case of a cover song? Let's say. Lady Gaga. It's just a, it, yeah, it's just a straight mechanical license. So it can either be done monthly, which is a compulsory license, or qu usually quarterly. Okay. And so you know these these places that that stream the music are set up. So as long as you advise them of the different pieces of information, you know it's written by, published by, and here's the paperwork. Then they know how to to flow the revenue. It's really 
doesn't require an outside clearance company to handle that, and it's it's really easy. You know, my kind of stuff that I do is a little bit more difficult. You know, we just did the Defiant ones last year, um, where we cleared over 150 songs for use in in the four part documentary. Um, or we work with like Drake, who had 29 um, samples on his album, and so okay. we had to clear out the samples. Got you. And in the in the context of like Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, what is the what is the percentage? I know the the money flows for fairly easily, but how much how much money how is the money divvied up when you're covering somebody else's song? Well, it, under the U.S. copyright law, any song that's five minutes or under has a value of 0.091 cents. And so that publishing revenue goes to the writers and publishers of the copyright. The master side is a different value, um, and that's usually negotiated or discussed. You know, if it's an independent label, um, there should be, you know, if they're with your CD Baby or whoever's doing the placement, who determines what that value is going to be. Okay, gotcha. But again, those those don't require... My services for clearances; those are just things that are just in place. Okay, that, yeah, that's already set up. It's it's straightforward. Right. Anybody can do it. So let's shift to maybe an example where you would factor in your company would, would factor in in what you do. My podcast and my website, I tend to focus on licensing for the most part, licensing in television and films and, and video games. Mm-hmm. What what about in the context of licensing? I mean, I know a lot of times if you're licensing music through a publisher, for example, and they're looking for a cover version. They've already done this sort of clearance. They've done this administrative work. But how does it work in the context of licensing? I'm assuming you need to go through a company like yours if it's a car commercial or a TV show. How does that work if you want to license a cover version of a popular song? Um, well, yeah, you know, the thing is, we don't even use the term cover version. You're just talking about licensing a pre-existing copyright. And so, for example, I handle all of Grand Theft Auto and all of the Rockstar video games. So they, as a company, will come to me and they'll have, you know, a couple hundred songs that I then need to negotiate consent and a fee for the use of these songs to be used in the game. So I'm contacting all of the publishers of the different copyrights, all the record labels, you know, for the recordings, and sending a formal letter of request to secure those rights. doesn't mean everything gets approved, but we try our best to try to get as much songs um, cleared for the game as possible. The same thing applies with television. You know, if you've got a TV series or you've got a documentary or, or what have you, and they come up with a song that they want to be used in that TV show, same thing. We research who the copyright holders are. We send out a letter of request. And we negotiate a fee. And and not everything gets approved. I'm I'm a consultant on the TV show The Four, and I don't know if you've watched it or not, but a lot of times these contestants are changing the lyrics of pre-existing compositions. And so we're, we're actually having to walk through that and try to get consent from Drake, from Big Sean, saying, you know, this contestant has done a cover version. We want to change the lyrics. Can we have consent? And what would be the fee? And then they say yes or no based on what they're comfortable doing or what the artist is comfortable doing. Right. Yeah. They have. They they actually have to go to the writer. Okay. And um and get consent. Okay. So if a particular writer doesn't like a particular TV show or the context in which the music is being used, they obviously have the right to decline that license. 
That's correct. Absolutely. Right. Okay. What about though, Deborah, a, I know you said you don't use the term cover version, but let's say an artist, I can't think of an, another word, covering a pre-existing song. I'm assuming the fee is less if it's a cover version versus licensing the original, like it, like if it's a Rolling Stone song or, or something, obviously they're going to charge a much higher fee than a cover version, I'm, I'm assuming. Is that correct? On the publishing side, no, your fee is going to be exactly the it's same. It's the exact same. Their song okay. has a certain value, and they're not going to change that value because someone else is performing it. Um, on the master side, though, the artist, because they maybe they're nobody or they're just starting out and they've done a cover and they really want the song to be used, they might charge a lower fee um, to make sure that their song gets utilized. Okay, interesting. So on the publishing side, it doesn't it doesn't matter, irrespective of whether or not it's somebody else covering the song. The, their publishing fee is their publishing fee, regardless of who's covering right. the song. Okay. Yeah, usually that's the case. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question, because like I said, most people listening to this are artists, composers, songwriters, people aspiring to license their music. What do what do artists need to know about music clearance? When does this become are there certain situations artists should be aware of or, or cautious about? What do we need to know about music clearance as artists licensing our original music? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm following that. Um... So in other, in other words, if you're a musician and you're listening to this podcast right now, you're writing all original music and you're trying to license that music in television shows, films, Right. And okay. So, and so on. What do they need to know about music clearance? Is this something that artists in general well, need to be aware of? Usually, it's not the artist directly who's doing it. It's usually their label that's representing the master on their behalf, and their publisher that's representing the composition that they've written. If this is an artist that is self-contained, meaning that they control their own publishing, they don't have an administrator, they own their own masters, they're self-released. Um, and so there's two parts to this. One is they have to obviously handle everything themselves. And if they're not knowledgeable on how to do a deal, they can be taken advantage of. And they probably want to bring in an attorney to review the paperwork. If they're trying to get their stuff placed, which is different, to be utilized in film and television, there are organizations out there that represent uh, different people's material and try to get it placed for use in TV and film and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Are you involved in placing music at all, or are you strictly music clearance? Um, I'm a music supervisor, and I do music clearances. So I don't pitch music to be used. People are pitching music to me. Oh, okay. Interesting. So what uh, what percentage of your time is spent supervising as opposed to doing clearance? Um, I'd say I do about 20, 25% of music supervision, and the rest is clearances. Okay, so I have... A- I, prefer, I prefer doing clearances, to be honest with you. Most people want to be music supervisors. I love doing clearances, and I actually offer my services to other, clear, other music supervisors. What attracted you to this niche of the music business? This is obviously a very specialized part of the music business. How did you get into this in the first place? Well, I started in 1990, and... Um, I actually started doing um, sample clearances because there weren't any rules and there weren't anyone really doing it. And um, and I fell in love with that genre of music and, and, and handling all of that work. 
that was a phase of music where someone, you know, they said, this isn't going to be around. This is a phase. You know, why are you doing this? I believed in hip hop. I believed in rap. I believed in sampling. And that actually opened up the door to film and television and video games because that genre of music was being used and there's avenues and people who were doing clearances were, were scared. You know, they saw 10 writers. They saw five publishers. They were like, oh, my God, we can't get this done quickly. And I would say, yes, yes, you can. Yeah, so you figured out a way to streamline that process and you created this company. Are there a lot of companies like yours? How, how many, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm really new to this specific part of the music business. How many people out there are doing what you do? Sample clearances, there are, there are only like one or two people out there that do what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm the one who's been around the longest. Um, with regards to clearances for film and television and music supervision, there's a lot of people that do it. And I think they're getting a little bit more savvy on how to handle this hip-hop and rap stuff, but they usually come to me and ask for for help or guidance or assistance, and, and I always offer it, of course. The bottom line is um, to make sure that music is used and that it's cleared properly no matter what um, platform it's being used. Yeah. In the context of hip-hop and using samples, is that different than clearing an entire song? It's completely different because you're taking a pre-existing copyright and you're utilizing it different than how it initially was created. So the copyright holders, the publishers and labels, they need to get consent from the writers and from the you know whomever is involved with the approval party. Usually, you know, when it comes to synchronization, there might be language in the contract where, you know, you can license this for sync as long as it's not for alcohol or tobacco or or there's no violence. You know, sometimes that's already laid out. So sync can go a lot faster. Sample clearances can take a bit longer um, because they need to hear it. How, what portion of their song was sampled? How was it incorporated? What's the lyrical content? Who's the artist? Do I want to be part of this? I think this is becoming more streamlined. I'm now actively involved with a company called Tracklib, and I don't know if you've heard of them yet, but they're based out of Sweden, and we now have New York offices, and it's the automation of sample clearances. So we pre-cleared like 60,000, 70,000 songs, and we're, we're building this library. Not beats. These are songs. You know, we've got like some, you know, great, you know, Philadelphia, you know, gamble kind of material in there that we got from Reservoir. We've got stuff from like Impeach the President from... Uh, from Aaron Fugue's Tough City. So there's actual pre-existing songs that have been pre-cleared for people to sample at a lower rate and to be automated. Not all sample clearances will ever be automated. I'm always going to be around for that. But with people with smaller budgets or things that need to be done right away, there's now another option, which is great. And then can these songs be potentially licensed in TV shows and films and things like that? Yes. Yeah, the, specifically with TrackLib, we are able to grant or secure all the rights, so it can be used uh, for, for sync licensing. Standard sample licenses do not include uh, synchronization. It's just um, uh, for audio configurations, all audio configurations and commercial music videos, but that's it. Cool. So this website is called TrackLib? TrackLib, T-R-A-C-K-L-I-B. And then these are songs people can download, 
download and then modify? Like, how are they? And sample. Yeah, so what you're doing is it's like you're going, if, you, if you're a person who samples, if you're a producer or artist that samples, instead of going through an actual crate of vinyl, you're going through a digital crate of music, and they let you hear it. And then when you determine what you want to use, if it's the, the bass line or the beat or, or lyrical use, it tells you, you know, I think it's $1.99 to download um, the stems that you need, and then it, it already has the agreement as to what the fee is going to be to sample it. You, you fill in the information, you push a button, and you've got a license. And then you can just go into the studio and, and sample it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, on my signature of my email if you want to just take a look and click on that and play with it. And if you want to do another podcast about TrackLib, um, it, it's a, definitely a worthy topic for your listeners. Yeah, no, I feel like the, my listeners would definitely want to check that out. So TrackLib.com, I'll check that out after our mm-hmm. podcast. And then what are what are the fees? Like if, if you want to, I don't know, down, download an entire track, modify it and then potentially license it what would something like that run again it depends on um, on if it's like an a b or c song and what you're using but it's all the amazing thing is you go to the website and it lays it out right there for you it's like if you use you know from from a and you're using this much this is what your cost is going to be and it's it's there's there's no there's no hidden fees it's kind of like my fees on my website i list what my fees are on my website so that everyone knows what they're going to be paying for my services. There's like there's there's no there's no question. Yeah, no, I, I saw that you have everything laid out very very clearly, and it seems like your rates are very reasonable. Like I said, I don't know a ton about music clearance, but it, it, it you know it seems like they're very straightforward and reasonable. I think so. I <laughs> try. <laughs> but then again, what what the hell do I know? Let me ask you uh, a couple more questions, and then I'll let you go, Deborah. You mentioned that you also do music supervision, and, and like I said, I think the majority of my, my listeners, you know, they're, they're artists, they, they want to license their music. Any tips in terms of reaching out to someone like you when you have your supervisor hat on? How can artists potentially bypass music libraries and publishers and go straight to someone like you and, and get their music heard and potentially licensed? It's hard, you know. There are like um, conferences and panels and stuff that are set up for people to to pitch or to meet with music supervisors so they know what they're working on. I was just at a music conference down in Nashville, and um, we literally had like a, a panel, and there was like six of us as music supervisors, and we spouted out what we were working on and what we'd be looking for with our contact information so people knew what to send us. So it's like reading the trades, going to IMDb, knowing what's being worked on, what kind of music is being needed. And then when you send it out to people, just make sure you've got metadata on there. Make sure it's completely labeled properly so that if someone doesn't can't use it at that moment, but they download it and save it in their library, that they know how to contact you a year down the road. Yeah, sure. That Yeah, that makes sense. I've heard that advice a lot. So are you pretty open in general? Are you pretty receptive to people if they've done their research and they know they've figured out what projects you're working on or you're pretty open to hearing you know music from unknown indie artists i'm i always listen to everything it's kind of interesting a lot of music supervisors do not yeah yeah i've heard that <laughs> you know where they only give it, they only give it a few seconds but you know um we have music going 24 7 in our lives if you think about it so it's really not that difficult um to, to listen to stuff um i do tell people though if you've got a song with lyrics and your first 20 seconds is instrumental, you're going to lose the attention of, of a music supervisor. So just be just be wary of that. When it gets to the point, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. That's what my 
publisher used to always say. Have, have you found a lot of music that way? Like, like just random people sending you music online? I have, yeah. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. have... Do you Absolutely. have... Do you have like a go-to, do you work with different libraries? Do you have sort of an established chain of, you know, people that you go to first? Or are you just open to everything? I'm open to everything. I mean, I have a list of libraries I keep on my bulletin board, but I'm always open to anything. Yeah. What are you working on right now? Any specific projects? I mean, the projects I'm working on are documentary-based with music already picked, although I'm about to start a blues documentary, docu-series kind of project. Um, I mean, and we're wrapping up. We've got a whole bunch of films that we've been working on that are like a small-scale projects that um, really were, you know, old blues, um, old rock, old bluegrass, which is not really my forte, um, but documentaries are, so people come to me for that stuff. Um yeah, but I'm about to start. Um, I, I, my next meeting is with for a blues film project. I'm about to begin. Okay. Well, we usually get about a thousand downloads of this, this podcast, so I don't know if awesome. you're. If you, I don't know if you're, you. I don't know if you're open to people sending you music, but it, you know, if you guys that are listening to this, old blues, old rock. What else did you say? Bluegrass. I, I need a bluegrass for a project, but you know, anything you've got, as long as you label it, don't make me work for it. Um, <laughs> is, is that a problem? Do you, do you get a lot of mislabeled or poorly labeled tracks sent to you? Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes someone sends me a picture, um, and then with music, I'm like, well, a picture can be really misleading as to what the music's about. They send you a picture, like in the metadata of the artist. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. In, in the email, they send me the picture of the artist, and you know that can be really misleading. So. Um, I always say send me something um, because I actually keep a, a file on my um, in my email of submitted music so that I can always go back and I can make notes on stuff and all that good okay. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, this is all good advice that that, that I think we've we've heard a lot, but it, it's clearly a problem in the industry. Otherwise, people wouldn't bring it up so often. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, listen, Deborah, we're at about thirty minutes, and. Um, I think we got a lot of good information today. We covered a lot of good ground. Like I said, this is a new topic for me, so it was, it was good to bring you on, learn a little bit more about, about music clearance and, and what you do. Any other parting words of wisdom or anything people should know? I would say if you're an artist, just keep making your art. Surround yourself um, with people that know um, what to do for you. You know, like you've got a manager, you've got an attorney, and you've got someone who who can help represent your catalog for you to pitch it so that you're not busy pitching your music, you're busy making music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually interviewing next week for my podcast. I'm bringing on a music attorney. So this will be my first interview with a music attorney. So that'll, that'll tie in nicely to this conversation, I think. Do I get to ask who it is? <laughs> um, To be honest, Surprise. I do not have his name in front of me. It's, a, it's someone that approached me. He listened to... A previous podcast. I want to say it's coming to me. I think his name is Bill, and I'm going to probably butcher his last name. I think it's Ochterberg or Ochterberg. So I don't know if that rings a bell, but he's, mm-hmm. he's a musician mm-hmm. and, and a music attorney. So That's awesome. I mean, it's good to have um, 
to, to talk to all these different people, um, you know, being a musician, it, you know, you're an artist and you're creating stuff and you're in this world of, of, of creating something to share and to, to make a living, to earn a revenue. And so it's important to have people around you who can help you along that process. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's good to have, have a team. So, yeah, I'm trying as much as possible to find as many different interesting people working in the industry as possible and pick their brains. So, Deborah, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this today. Um, I want to give people your website so they can learn more about you. It's dmgclearances.com. And, uh, yes, sir. Any, any other website or emails or anything people should know in order to reach out to you? My email's right there, Deborah at dmgclearances.com. And it's the end in case you forget anything. Everything that we talked about with regards to at least samples and clearances and licensing is right there on my website. Okay. Excellent. So go check out Deborah's website. Uh, Deborah, thanks so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Have a great day. You too. And I'll, I'll send this to you when it's edited and up on my site. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Deborah. Take care. Bye-bye.